Now begins the real chaos. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tree City Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Baker. And I'm co-host, Graham Marlin. And easy. Anywhere you need to find us, we'll be there. Subscribe. Give us a five-star rating. It really helps us. Tree City. Tree City. Hello and welcome to the Tree City Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Baker. Here with my co-host, as usual, Graham Moen. And today... The Browns are off to their best start in 14 years. They tied opening game. Uh, best start in 14 years, and they didn't even win the game. Yeah. That kind of sums up the Browns, doesn't uh, it? I just... You you don't know how to feel, really, at all after a tie. Like, the Browns had so many opportunities to win this game, and we're going to go into a lot of the big things from the game and maybe preview a little bit about going in the next week against the Saints, but... To start with week one, it was just, it was just, there were so many opportunities, like I said, for the Browns to win the game, especially after coming back down 21-7, but the offense was stagnant, they couldn't move the ball, and the defense did everything in their power to will this team to a win, and it just ended up as a stalemate. The Steelers had their chance and had a kicker who missed three field goals all of last year, missed a 42-yard field goal, but... No one really, I guess really no one deserved to win this game, so I guess it's good the way it ended, and I'm glad that we don't keep playing overtimes like they do in the in the postseason, because no one needed to see any more of that game. I don't think I've ever watched a football game that two teams deserve to tie more. <laughs> that was a complete crap show on both ends. Yeah. Just turnovers and sloppy play and stupid penalties and freaking missed field goals. Bad and throws. Just... What a disaster of a football game. I mean, I know the weather was bad, and it's the first week of the season, but that was a disaster both ways. Um, bad weather doesn't get you seven sacks. Yeah. For the Browns, I think there are many things that are different than they normally are that we can talk about that, you know, it's like, oh, yeah. we actually have, the Browns definitely have, like we said, look, like we said in the season preview, the Browns have a lot more high-end talent than they've had in a long time. They've got guys that have a chance to be stars. And a lot of those guys showed up and showed out on Sunday and showed that they are ready to be stars or at least, you know, on that path. But some things are the same as they have ever been. The Browns play hard. They make a comeback attempt. Guys make plays. You're impressed. You're like, oh, they're fighting back. And yet they do every stupid thing they could possibly do in the book. I mean, let's be honest. If the Steelers wouldn't have played like complete crap, the Browns wouldn't have been in this game. If the Browns wouldn't have failed to capitalize on almost every opportunity they were given, the Steelers would have, you know, the Browns would have won this game easily. Both teams had lots of stupid things they did, lots of bad mistakes. They had so many, both teams had so many chances to win the game. It's just hard. I, I think ultimately for the Browns, I see them as, a team that has a lot of high-end talent is a year away and needs to do coaching staff. And that's exactly what we thought before the season, and one game in, all that has been confirmed to me. Yeah, I mean, I think we definitely see, and we talked about this in the previous podcast, that the individual talent of the Browns is a lot better, whether it's the rookies performing like Jannard Avery or Denzel Ward or second-year players like Miles Garrett coming in, being a huge game-breaker. Uh, Jarvis Landry is a new addition coming in and making a big impact. Uh, Jamarius Randall coming in and showing promise. Jabril Peppers having a promising first game. 
Like, there's talent there. There's definitely talent, but the cohesion of the team is not there. And for the Browns to really get maximize the talent that they have, which is a lot of good players, a lot of good to maybe high-end players we have or some potential for that. It's just we don't have the cohesion of a team that or the coaching of a team that really... Nobody thinks Hugh Jackson and Greg Williams are coaches that are going to lead a team to a winning season. No one thinks that. Um, I think we can talk all day about how, you know, Hugh Jackson's failings and Greg Williams' failings, and we can touch on that for a moment. I think the most useful thing for us to do is kind of address a few individual aspects this game, just because, end of the day, we all know the Browns have more talent, and we all know they're not going to reach their potential, and we all know they do dumb things to lose football games. Those things are all true, and it's not debatable. Yeah, this is not the year I mean, for the Browns. I mean, look, from the, from, the, from the left tackle fiasco where the Browns, you know, Desmond Harrison, clearly, clear, but look, he's clearly not ready to start left tackle. He's overwhelmed. He, he did not play football for two years. He played last year at a 1AA school. West Georgia. Didn't even play in the Senior Bowl. Did not start throughout camp at all. Started Because of injury. Started three practices and then Hugh Jackson threw him out there at left tackle. And we said on our preview podcast, like two days before this game, what the hell are they doing? There's no way that can work. First half, he's got two false starts. The offensive line gave up. How many sacks was it? Seven. That's a lot. That's and a lot of freaking sacks. I probably would say more more of them were the offensive line's fault than the quarterback's Tyrod Taylor did hold the ball for a long time. There we're we're going to talk about yeah. him later. but There was other facets, but the offensive yeah. line was just... Early in the game, you could tell they hadn't played together. And as the game went along... I'm not blaming Desmond Harrison. No. You don't do that. You don't start a guy who's had not even practice time. They're so alert. We talk about practice. We talk about practice. They're so allergic. Not much much less D1 division college time or just football in general. And I'm not saying that Desmond Harrison can't be a good left tackle or he won't be. It's, it, the, the Browns just set themselves up for failure over and over again. And we knew this coming in, but when you see it, it's just like some of these things are so obvious. And then the and person yet, that started Because of the guard, Browns, they still happen. And the person that started at left guard, Austin Corbett, the rookie out of Nevada, through the entire preseason, was inactive when he's our backup for th- the three interior line positions. Yeah, it doesn't make any They're sense. They're so allergic to the idea of playing Joe Batonio at left tackle that they will literally throw an undrafted rookie out there on no notice because well, and that's, they want Well, that's a red flag, too. Is I, I don't know why Corbett was inactive. No one seems to know why. I don't think it was a discipline issue. I don't think it was an injury issue. They just didn't think he was good enough, which... I mean, he was the first pick of the second round. Yeah, we could have I don't drafted really other know. players. I don't know. Pick. And I mean, again, it's not, this does, it's one game, and you don't want to overreact to these things. And I'm not saying that Corbett's not a good player or Harrison's not a good player. But what we're saying is the thought process that goes into decisions makes no goddamn sense. And that's the quite that's the issue here. It's not the players. Like, Desmond Harrison, like I said, might be a very good left tackle. Maybe even a good one this year. But the situation he was put in, those two false starts he had, you really can't blame him for those. That's a rhythm issue. It's a practice and a learning issue. And the Browns are not playing for nothing this year. If huge, This is the thing is, if this was year one of a rebuild, okay, whatever, put the young guys out there to learn. But if Hugh Jackson doesn't win some games this year... He's not making it through the season. Yeah. He'll get fired. And yet his thought process was, let's... 
and again, I know he's not the only one making this choice, but these are ultimately his choices. He's the head coach. And it just makes no sense. Um, yeah, I mean, it throws off the entire you know, cohesion of the line. And is, but as you, and, and you can look at Greg Williams, too. Yeah. You can look at Greg Williams. Like, there's a third and eight play, and they're playing, you know, eight or ten yards off of Antonio Brown. And they're blitzing. And they're blitzing. And then on second and goal, this is – Zach Jackson made this uh, – from The Athletic made this observation. On second and goal from the 22-yard line, they're playing goddamn press coverage. And on third and eight, they're playing off. And it's just like, I understand, the other way I understand that coverages change based off whether you're blitzing and whether you're playing zone, et cetera, et cetera. But, and then, you know, that, that second and goal from the 22, Denzel Ward gets beat over the top because he's pressing on a second. It, it, it's just so many things that don't have any logic get done. And that's why the Browns lose these games. Like, for example, on the block field goal in overtime that would have won the Browns the game. That got blocked. So a, a Browns player told Jason Lloyd, also now the Athletic, which by the way, if you don't know where someone writes, just assume it's the Athletic now. They yeah. own every sports writer. Yeah, the Athletic has become. So Jason Lloyd, big. you know, great Cavs writer, is now doing the Browns and some Ohio State, and you know, good for him. Now that LeBron's here, no one seems to care about the Cavs anymore, but we do. Which, by the way, we'll have content coming up about Rodney Hood's extension. Anyways, um, they didn't change the snap count a single time on special teams in that entire game. That's real. So the Steelers just lined up and knew exactly when the ball was going to get snapped and just blocked the kick. Yeah. And it's just, and even, and it's just sad because, you know, that's all coaching. And a lot of players didn't play that well, which we're going to discuss here. Um, and even Miles Garrett. So we can start with Miles Garrett. So Miles Garrett, we can talk about how great he is. But even Miles Garrett, on that returned you know, uh, fumble or interception, whichever one you want to call it. It's, you know, on that turnover return, he blocked someone in the back as Joe Schobert's going out of bounds. That block accomplished nothing. That guy wasn't going to tackle Joe Schobert. The play was already over. In the last second, Miles Garrett just chucks him out of bounds from behind. The Browns lose 15 yards, and it's a 45-yard field goal instead of a 25-yard field goal. And that's the shit the Browns do every single game. And Miles Garrett's a smart dude, clearly. And yet... This is what the Browns do routinely. They had they had third and three in the first half. Two false starts in a row. This is what yeah, the Browns do. And, and the Steelers, especially Ben Roethlisberger, laid a goddamn poo-poo platter on the ground and said, here, take it. We don't want to win. They made half of those Ben Roethlisberger picks and also uh, a couple of fumbles <laughs> the by the Steelers were just stupid and just decisions he shouldn't make. And... Literally, the Steelers said, here, we don't want this game. And yet, the Browns shoot themselves in the foot over and over again. To be fair to Miles and that's, Garrett. You know, and again, like, you know, we can beat this into the ground. But, yeah, to be fair to Miles Garrett, had they, he's a goddamn monster. Well, to be fair to him, too, had they just done what they were supposed to do earlier By the, the way, game, there's expletives in this podcast because it's the Browns, FYI. To, like... We're going to talk about him shortly, but like... Go ahead. If Tyrod Taylor hadn't thrown the pick at the end of the fourth quarter... That was the ultimate numbskull decision. They wouldn't have been in the position where Miles Garrett was in that play. Was it a bad decision? Yes. But at the same time, he did everything before that moment in the game. He had two sacks. He had two forced fumbles. He caused another sack from Mario Kajobi. Miles Garrett is an animal. He single-handedly in the third quarter, the Browns 
were starting to get the tail beat off of them. It was 21-7. It looked like the Steelers were gaining control and it was going to be over. And he's like, no, I'm not letting this happen. He gets it. He sacks Ben Rossberger. Soon after, he strip sacks him. Then, on the James Conner fumble, he causes the fumble. Then, he makes... Then, he is the one that... Or, Jannard Avery is the one that hits him along with pressure from Miles Garrett that gets the pick from Joe Schobert. Did Miles Garrett make a mistake there? Yes. But none of this would have happened had the Browns just been safe late in the fourth quarter and not had Tyrod Taylor throw a jump ball on the sidelines. That's another example of coaching. It's another example of coaching. The Browns are five yards away from field goal range, 10 yards away from a chip shot field goal, and they throw the ball up down the field. It makes no sense. And they didn't use the middle of the field. no sense. They weren't using the middle of the field for anything. And then even, you know, in overtime, they, they, they call the timeout before the field goal 13 seconds. It's a small thing, but everyone in the world knows you call that with five seconds left. That way the clock runs out. If you miss the field goal, the other team doesn't get the ball back. The Browns gave the Steelers nine seconds. You, it, it, 95% of the time, that won't hurt you, but you never know. And the Browns make stupid choices. The coaches, the players, everyone, just continually. And this is what we've seen for God knows how many years. But anyways, now that we got that out of the way, and we've established the Browns are idiots that lost the game because they're idiots, a lot of things went well. A lot of things went really well. There were some good character and things that I saw from the Browns. Like like I said, down 21-7, Miles Garrett comes in, takes over. Denzel Ward makes a good makes good pass breakups. He really made into, was able to cover Antonio Brown very well, even on the touchdown pass that Ben Roethlisberger threw on that second and goal play. Josh Gordon... Josh you, Gordon only had three yeah. targets. Josh Gordon had three targets, but he didn't play a lot of the game. He actually did. He, he made a fantastic... He played 69 of the snaps. Yeah. So he played like 77% yeah. of the snaps. So he actually played a he lot. Re- I will say this about Josh Gordon. Clearly, he's not all the way back into the offense yet, as evidenced by the three targets. Yeah, three he, to he, Jarvis Landry. He, he had the touchdown catch, which was an all-world catch. Mm-hmm. That was a superstar-level catch. He had a lot of really good run blocks, which sounds like whatever, but that shows that he's invested in the team. Yeah. I mean, he was visibly... Like, happy just to be blocking. And that was a great throw by Taylor on the pass to yeah. Josh Gordon. It was a um, perfectly placed ball, but then he had some of those other issues. Yeah. But look, Josh Gordon showed up. He got to the week. He played relatively well, even with a low target volume. And you're looking at, you know, like you said, let's start with Miles Garrett again. Miles Garrett. So, you know who Miles Garrett looked like this week? He looked like Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack oh, did looked- almost the exact same thing against the Packers later that night where it was and like not many defensive players can absolutely dominate a game for stretches like Miles Garrett did like Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack just Khalil Mack, got 6 Von years Miller. Khalil Mack just got 6 years 141 million dollars okay Miles Garrett is on that path again if he stays healthy this could be a monster season for him yeah we said it before I said before he could be season. defensive player of the year yeah. potentially Look, he could have 15 sacks sure. he was a monster. He forced three turnovers, basically, three, on his own. Yes. He just pressured constantly. And he was responsible Ugh. in some way for probably four or five sacks that the Browns got on him. He had two of his own. He had another Ugh. that Jannard Avery got, and he had another that Larry Okunjobi got. But it was caused. And at one point the, the Steelers game, have a good offensive line, and he one, dominated. At one point in the game, Alejandro Villanueva literally just threw him to the ground on yeah. a play because Garrett had already beaten him off the edge. He just had to tackle And him. he's just like, yeah, I can't. It's a tackle or a sack. He's like, yeah. I'm tired of this. I'm yeah. just going to eat the penalty. Miles Garrett looks and Villanueva is a good left tackle. Yeah. Like he's probably a top 10 left tackle in the league. And he got dominated by Miles Garrett. He did. 
He we has saw, look, done we this saw, to everybody. We this saw year the complete so package from Miles Garrett: the speed, the strength, the pass rush moves, the the tenacity. Clearly, he's all the way over last season's injuries, and he's emerging into a superstar. And, then, and I don't think that's over an overreaction at all. And he wasn't I mean, the only we, defensive player that we, made stands. We, we can overreact to one week, yeah. but I think in terms of Miles Garrett, I think what he did week one is a validation of what we thought he would be. Mm-hmm. He to, won't do this every week, but yeah. To I quote, mean, uh, who, who was the coach back in the day? He is, They are who oh, we De- thought they Denny were. Green. Denny Green said that about a team, about yeah, the, about he the, the Bears. Coach, he said, they are who they we lost. thought they were. Well, guess what? Miles Garrett is who we think he is, and that's a great thing. Another person who is might who might be better than we thought he was, Denzel Ward. I don't people know if gave, I've ever seen a better debut for a rookie. People gave I mean, the Browns so much flack around the league because he was the number four overall pick. The Browns d- decided not to take Bradley Chubb, who was a pass rusher that they could have paired with Miles Garrett. By the way, people said Bradley Chubb was better than Miles Garrett. Yeah, that's not true. Uh, no, I'm not even going to entertain that. That's no. not true. Bradley Chubb could be a productive player, but that's discussion from their day. Miles My- Garrett is amazing, but Denzel Ward... Had two interceptions, one on a great play where he had to find Antonio Brown and jump in front of the pass to make an interception. The second one was a tipped ball, but then he used athleticism to give the Browns good field position. They squandered it away like they did most of the game. But Antonio Brown, and he tackled well. Antonio Brown had nine catches for 93 yards and a touchdown. I be- I doubt many of those were on Denzel Ward. And the, the touchdown that was on Denzel couldn't Ward stop it. was fantastic It was coverage. a back shoulder fade. Yep. Denzel Ward did exactly what you're supposed to do as a yep. corner. He put his arm right in the pocket where the ball was, and Antonio Brown just made a great play. He's yep. one of the best two or three receivers in the league. You're- I don't think any of us... I think we could have expected what Miles Garrett did. I don't think anyone could have expected what Denzel Ward no, did. He did great in run support. He was tackling, yep. he was tackling Antonio Brown before what, he so, could wiggle away. So... Coming when he was drafted, the thoughts on Denzel Ward were he's athletic, he has ball skills, and he's got uh, above average coverage ability. The knocks on him were mostly his ability to tackle, and he's undersized, and a little bit undersized, he's like five ten and a half. But he, for purposes, he has a good length to him, so that might be able to help offset. He actually got compared to Joe Hayden a lot. Yeah. What, what we saw from Denzel Ward in this game was. Very, very strong coverage ability. I mean, look, a lot of those catches Antonio Brown had were tough catches, and like you mentioned, some of those weren't on Denzel Ward at all. No, early in the game, and the, and they the ones had that, Terrence Mitchell. The on ones him. that were on Denzel Ward, he was not wide open. They were good throws and good no. catches. And in the NFL, no cornerback can stop a great throw and a great catch. It's just not a thing you can do. I mean, Denzel, Denzel, yeah. Den- Denzel Ward showed up. He guarded Antonio Brown. He guarded whoever else was out there. He made, like you said, one legitimately great interception, one easy pick. And I think the thing I was impressed with, like you had briefly mentioned, was the tackling. There were multiple times where Denzel Ward, you know, even when Antonio Brown got the ball, there was no, yeah. He didn't break the tackle. There were no yards after catch. Denzel Ward was there. He was wrapping people up. And maybe you can attribute some of that to the fact the weather was not great, so guys didn't have great footing, but... I don't know, man. Denzel Ward ran a sub, like I said, ran a 4-3-4-40 time. His agility drills were amazing. Those don't make you a great football player, but it shows you that he has elite athleticism. If you're looking at Miles Garrett and, you know, I'm sure Denzel Ward's going to have bad games this year, but Miles Garrett is breaking out. We're we're witnessing a star emerging. Mm -hmm. You're looking at Denzel Ward, who it's one game, but... Holy crap, what a game. And the secondary played I, well, yeah. except for yeah. the one pass to Juju Smith-Schuster where he went 75 yards. Yeah, I would say— Other that, than that, they had a pretty good game. Yeah, that that was 
a blown coverage of some sort where yeah. he was just untouched. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a play that that's the type of play that happened over and over again last year. But I will say they that they stopped the bleeding after that. I will say that for the most part, the secondary was in the right spots and making decent plays. I mean, Peppers and Demarius Randall, I think both of them were hurt at various points in the game. Uh, and they kept playing. Julius uh, Julius Peppers. Jabril. Jabril Peppers said he had uh, cramping. Demarius Randall clearly had a couple of issues as well. But both those guys, free safety and strong safety, I'd say they both had relatively Jabril strong games. Peppers looked really good in his role. The, pro- the problem with to be. the Browns' defense was the run defense, and they got torn up. And Especially I, I think, um, early, late second quarter, early third quarter. I think interior defensive line can be an issue for the Browns. And I've been saying that since the beginning of the year, that yeah. going even going the next year, you obviously don't know where you're going to pick in the draft, but next year, young talent, there's good offensive linemen coming out, and there's good defensive tackles coming out. Yeah, the Browns have... Those re- are their weak the, spots. I think the Browns have solid linebackers. Yeah. And I think they have the makings of a really, really good young secondary. Um, but if the offensive line's pushing the defensive line three to four yards off the ball, it doesn't really matter how good your linebackers are. It's going to be a six or seven yard gain. And I think I think the Browns are really lacking uh, high end talent on the interior of the defensive line. I think the Browns have a lot of good like rotational defensive linemen. Except Broken Joby, who showed yeah. showed flashes. And I think. There's even been talk that Emmanuel Ogba was injured. And, and it's also fair yeah. because the Steelers have a really good offensive line. Yeah, and, I mean, and they, the middle, have, they have one of the best run-blocking offensive lines in the league. In the middle, they so. ha- are highlighted by Marquise Pouncey, Pro Bowl center, and David Castro, yeah. Pro Bowl guard. Two of the best run-blockers in the league. So. Yeah, and then so I think Ramon Foster is still there as a left guard. So, I mean, they they have a great interior. They have one of the best probably five offensive lines in the NFL. Yeah. So, I don't I think, think it's... TBD on the Browns' defense overall... But for one game, I think, despite the run issues, I think you have to be really encouraged about the talent that was shown across the board. Yeah, the defense was the clear star that from the third, from yeah. the mid third quarter all the way through overtime. That you saw the potential that the they Browns harassed Roethlisberger. Had. the The run was running. The running game was an issue, but they harassed Roethlisberger. The secondary was swarming all over the place. But I mean, they look, did get better. Turnovers. But they did get better stopping the ball running. After the late second quarter, early third, yeah. when James Conner started to get his run, they forced a fumble, which I think st- kept them from going away from the run game because they weren't confident in James Conner. So they threw the ball a lot more, and that played into the Browns' hands because Roethlisberger historically is not a good September quarterback, and he doesn't play well against the Browns very often. The last like four or five years, Roethlisberger very rarely plays the Brown plays at an elite level against the Browns. They give him some of the most problems every year because we know who he is, and he isn't the same player anymore. There was some plays that when we were watching three or four years uh, ago, Roethlisberger yeah. would have yeah. evaded those. He would have, or he would have stayed on his feet yep. and he would have made a throw and we would have been screaming at the television. I think clearly, but he didn't. I think clearly Roethlisberger's mobility is almost nothing. Oh, he's on anymore. the back nine of his career. He's yeah, got I mean, maybe two years. How ago. many, how many times have we seen, you know, a pass rush get to Roethlisberger and then he just shakes him off and takes off out of the pocket to make a play. And I think he's lost a significant amount of, yeah. If not all, almost all of and his ability to to scramble and to get out of the pocket and to make plays. And I think, you know, that definitely having him be more of a one dimensional quarterback definitely helped the Browns. But still, they played very well. And and he made some, you know, dumb mistakes. But, you know, he makes dumb mistakes sometimes. Yeah. He's always had that. I mean, most of the interceptions, the really the only one that I saw that was like, wow, why'd he throw that pass was the one that Demarius Randall, where he just tried to throw it deep. 
and it, I don't know if it was the wind or whether he just Antonio Brown it. had no idea where that football Antonio was. Brown was like six yards from the football yeah. and basically Demarius Randall ran the route for him which yeah. speaks to the safeties Demarius Randall is a free safety is much better than Jabril Peppers Jabril Peppers was able to stay up in the box help and run support especially later in the game he was good at that and really had some good tackles I will say Denzel Ward's pick would have been intercepted by like two players yeah, but Denzel look, Ward made Ben it look Roethlisberger more flashy. played badly, but a lot of that is because the Browns' defense played well, and especially I think led by Miles Garrett. Yeah, right. I think offensively, there was yeah. moments of individual brilliance. Yeah, I think obviously the offensive line cohesion was a major issue. They were not prepared to play. They got better as the game went along. They did. But still, they, they're they still, got, especially coming out of halftime, they made some adjustments of some sort, which is and one I, I positive think, about the Browns. Yeah, Jarvis Landry had. A very quiet 100-plus-yard game. He had 15 um, targets. Yeah, I mean, Josh Gordon, again, it, we all knew he wasn't going to get a ton of targets, so uh, Hugh Jackson just announced he's starting receiver, even, even though he started last game, um, which is another thing. The, Hugh Jackson says he's not starting. Then Todd Haley puts him out there for the first play, and Hugh Jackson says, it was miscommunication. Then he plays almost the whole game. And it's just like... Yeah, he was on just, a 20-snap Hugh Jackson's just shooting himself in the foot over and over again. That's yeah. what he does. Um I mean, Landry showed why we signed him. The biggest issue with the offense, I think Hyde showed pretty good ability. I think Carlos Hyde's going to be a solid running back as long as he's healthy. Nick Ch- Nick Chubb had a couple carries and showed some flashes. He had one really nice t- carry. Yeah. We all know what Duke Johnson is. He's a talented playmaker. I think offensive line cohesion is going to improve. The thing that we can look at is Tyrod Taylor. and. Yeah. Tyrod Taylor had I kind of a, a, a typical Tyrod Taylor game. I mean, he, he made a lot of plays with his feet. He escaped pressure. He picked up some first downs. He had that rushing touchdown from about 20 yards out. Yeah, that he, was a good play. He, he made a lot of scrappy, nice plays. But he showed a complete inability to throw the ball down the field. He underthrew receivers several times. He's lucky Jarvis Landry's his wide receiver. Yeah. Because and, Jarvis Landry uh, yeah, made a he couple him out a couple shoestring times. catches where yeah. he literally, the ball was at his shins and he was yeah. able to catch the ball. Jarvis Landry is so, so refreshing to have on the team because not only does he catch the ball well, he also put a defensive player on his ass and got a penalty out of it, which was probably one of my favorite moments of the game when he drove Artie Burns, the cornerback from the Steelers into the ground and caused him to get so angry. He threw Jarvis Landry to the ground and took his helmet off. Yeah. Pretty hilarious. But Jarvis Landry sets the Jarvis Landry must be the most annoying dude of all time to play against. But when he's on your team, it's, Oh yeah. And he, and he honestly could have had a bigger day. There was a lot of routes where he released well and he was open for touchdowns, but part of it was terrain. Part of it was bad quarterback throwing. Tyrod Taylor Taylor. didn't, didn't have Tyrod Taylor despite making plays with his feet, did not have a good game. And he cost he might have cost us a win by throwing that interception late in the game. Part of it was the coach. But I will go ahead and say that that was mostly play calling. It was I, it was a terrible throw. But should he have thrown it then? Should he have not? Yeah. Should he have thrown it? I get that you, you can yeah. blame coaching, and that's fair. But at the it end was of the a day, bad throw. you're the person that makes if the throw. The throw should have been where only Josh Gordon could get it, and instead it was yeah. behind him. It's either yeah. you throw it high into the sidelines where he can catch it, uh, or you... Yeah. So he, he either he catches it or no one catches it. A bad it. call and a bad throw. Because then, worst case scenario, you have the chance at a long field goal to win the game. Maybe it wouldn't have gone in, but that's a different scenario than getting a pick. You have a and then you have multiple scenarios to win the game as opposed to fighting and scrapping like they did after that pick. Because the overtime was ugly. No team 
got yeah, close was, to the end zone. That overtime was except a for the Steelers got close to the end zone once, and then they blew it. What are your what are your your overall thoughts about Tyrod Taylor after one week? I mean, obviously that's not Tyrod Taylor is going to be better. He's a better quarterback than he showed, but we all know there's not a lot of upside with Tyrod Taylor, and there's not a ton of arm talent. So but that's the thing. There is you know. he has a good arm, and that's what frustrated me the most is that he has shown the ability in the past with the Bills with a Sammy Watkins type player to make those big plays downfield. But I don't know if it's just timing with his receivers or what, but Tyrod Taylor just was under throwing people like crazy. I know part of that can sometimes be a back shoulder fade, but not that many times. He was like 18 of 40 completion percentage. And he, like I said, he's known for taking care of the ball. He threw a key interception late in a, in the game to prevent us from winning the game potentially. That interception was horrible. Like it was really horrible. And he, as a veteran, quarterback, that was one of the worst quarterback plays by anyone I've he seen. He started in a while. for three years in the NFL yeah. with worse weapons. He should know better than, like we said, know better than throwing that. So I think he will improve. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw this game out because it, he did not have a great performance, but he showed flashes of being able to keep the team together leading that comeback at 21-7. The defense obviously was a big factor, but we got the first touchdown on a rushing touchdown after a turnover. And then on the second one, he threw a beautiful pass, which we clearly he can do yeah, to Josh Gordon. That was the same throw. It was the exact he, he same throw. He threw a touchdown on that throw, which was a fantastic throw. He threw four then of he, those Then throws. he threw the same throw, and it was terrible. He threw four of them in that game. He completed yeah. two of them, but the two that he didn't complete were massive, massive errors. Yes, because the reason those are massive errors is because on that throw, you have to overthrow, not underthrow. Yeah. If you're going to miss the throw, it has to be over. He because com- if it's over, it's out of bounds. If it's under, it's a pick. He completed it to Hollywood Higgins earlier in the game to help spark the comeback at the beginning. Hollywood. He, he completed it to Josh Gordon for the touchdown. He... I guess he completed it to Jarvis Landry, but Jarvis Landry had to do yeah. just has glue hands, so he'll catch anything. And then the other one, he threw it completely behind Josh Gordon, and I don't care if Josh Gordon's 6'3", 225, he's not going to be able to go back and fight for it that quickly and get the ball back. It was way too far behind him. Had it been right like at the same point as both of them, maybe he could have at least rustled it away for an incomplete pass. But that's the type of things we're talking about for the Browns. Aside, Inches matter. I will say this. Aside from that terrible throw, he got sacked seven times. And he, some of them were his fault. He was pressured constantly. But it, it's like with Tyrod Taylor, you really have to accept the good and the bad. The good is he was pressured constantly and didn't throw it into coverage desperately. He didn't, he didn't try to go too fast and throw it into coverage. And he often got out of that pressure. And he also didn't fumble on any of the times he got sacked. The bad is some of the sacks were on him for holding the ball too long. Yeah, there was like five and, seconds of protection, and he was yeah. just sitting. And you, you know t- he's not going to be a guy that presses the issue. It's not the type of quarterback he is. Right. So if you need someone to make big throws into coverage, Tyrod Taylor's not really that type of guy. So we saw his limitations. We saw some good things about him, but he made that one terrible throw. And unfortunately, I think I think yeah. with the, I think with the improved offensive line play. And improved timing with his receivers, he's going to be a lot better. But he doesn't have a lot of time because if the Browns lose in New Orleans was this week, which is pretty likely, Sam Sam Darnold Jets. of the Jets, also a rookie, looks pretty good. If the Sam's his first pass, this is what everyone always he threw a pick six on his first. Well, pass. that'll happen. This is what people always assume about the Browns is they look at the schedule and they say, "Well, we're going to lose to the good teams, and then." When we get some bad teams, we're going to win those games. But the Browns are a bad team. Everyone's assuming, if you look at the schedule, everyone's saying, 
You never know about the Steelers. Probably going to lose in, in New Orleans. But that Jets game at home, week three, that's going to be a win. But that's not a guarantee with the Browns. People always assume that we're going to beat bad teams. But if the Browns lose that, that this game in New Orleans and then that game at home to the Jets week three, and Tyrod Taylor hasn't played that well, that could be it. I think because, that's the time. Because if Hugh Jackson is 1-7, 0-8, 2-6 at season, he's not going to make it through the year. Not even to get fired at the end of the year. The pressure's going to be on Hugh Jackson to play Baker Mayfield if the Browns are losing games and if Tyrod Taylor's not playing that well. Especially I think, if I think Tyrod, like Taylor's gonna, Tyrod Taylor so, showed some good. He showed some limitations. He's going to improve. His timing with his receivers is going to improve. The offensive line is going to improve. But it's got to improve quickly because time is ticking for Tyrod Taylor and for Hugh Jackson. And after that Jets game is a perfect timeline because that's a Thursday game. That's what I'm saying. So that's 10 days to prepare Baker. Yes. And the reason why why this conversation is now going to be louder about Baker Mayfield is the fact that he is willing to make those type of throws. He might throw more picks than Tyrod Taylor, but he has that type of arm where he will be able. He'll try to throw that ball in a tight window. Like and I said, might hate him if, for if, it. The, if the Browns are having a bad season, Hugh Jackson's not going to go with a safe option. He's going to go with a lottery ticket, which is Baker Mayfield right now, because Hugh Jackson's going to have to do something to save his job. The Browns are going to have to really, really change who they are dramatically for Hugh Jackson to keep his job. Because as much as John Dorsey might say, we've been over Hugh Jackson. Not a lot of talent in the roster, not his fault. But this is the year that needs to be different. Hugh Jackson is not John Dorsey's guy, and unless Hugh Jackson does something to impress and show this team is different, he's not going to be the coach next year. Tyrod Taylor does not have a lot of time to start playing better. I think he will. Will it be better enough? I don't know. And I think this um, next week is going to be big because yeah. we're playing in a dome, so hopefully that'll help the Browns. Well, hey, look, if Ryan players. Fitzpatrick can be the best quarterback in NFL history against the Saints, then why not Tyrod Taylor? That's where maybe the Saints have a chance, or the Browns have a chance against the Saints, is that the Saints' defense is bad. But we're playing Drew Brees and Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. I think Denzel Ward's going to have a big, big test this week. I think that's. I think you're right about that, because, especially because Michael Thomas is a bigger receiver. Yeah, he's six three, like two fifteen. I mean, look. The Browns have been lacking a receiver that can do anything close to guarding Antonio Brown for a long, long time. And I think that Denzel Ward did a great job this week. Michael Thomas is a whole other beast. Not that he's a better receiver than Antonio Brown, but like you said, one of the knocks on Denzel Ward is that he's a little bit undersized. We know he has the quickness, but Michael, and he's not going to be only shadowing Michael Thomas, but no, he's, do he's going to be on Michael Thomas a good amount. And Michael Thomas is a big, big physical receiver. And to play devil's advocate... With that, and Drew Brees is better than Ben Roethlisberger. Denzel Ward might have had a good week this week, but what is that to say that people aren't going to watch the tape and be able to study some of what he does? There's film on him now. There wasn't film on him before this. Sean Payton and Drew Brees know what they're doing. Yeah, Drew Brees, and they're going to be angry after losing last week. That's a must-win game. I mean, they scored 40 points. If New Orleans loses at home to one of the worst teams in the league for two weeks in a row. Their season's pretty much done. They went 0-2 last year. The Browns are going... I hear you, but they didn't lose the Buccaneers and the Browns week one and two, okay? I know what you're saying. Two weeks is two weeks. But my point is, Sean Payton, Drew Brees, and a hell of a lot of talent on offense is waiting for the Browns in New Orleans in that dome. And the the Browns are going to have to score a lot of points because the Saints don't have a great defense, but I don't care how good the Browns' defense plays. They're not good enough to hold the Saints under... What, 28, 30 points? It's not going to happen. I'd say you're, Tyrod, you're lucky to get 27. Yeah. Like, 
Yeah, that's probably the lowest. So you're probably gonna have to score. You're gonna have to score like thirty points. Josh Gordon's gonna have to be a full go. The Browns are gonna have to establish the run, which they did not at all do early in the game against the Steelers. They're gonna have to give a lot of targets to Landry and Gordon, yeah. and hopefully Najoku bounces back after a couple drop passes. Yeah, that's another thing that I wanted to mention. Um, you know, everyone's kind of, you know, everyone assumes that young players as they progress will get drastically better, but. Improvement for young players is A, not always linear, and B, doesn't always happen in general. And I think that there was a lot of hype about David Njoku going into the season. He could still have a very solid season, and he could still progress a lot. But week one was not a good start for him. He and looked, we didn't see much of him in terms of the passing game. He dropped two passes, which yeah, is probably why. Not good. But, you no, know, he has the talent, but he has to be consistent with his hands, or all those targets are going to go to... Josh Gordon and Jarvis Landry and Antonio Callaway even looked overwhelmed at times. He only played about 25% of the snaps. So the rookies, some of them looked a little overwhelmed. Some of them, the higher end picks looked really good. One is waiting in the wings and maybe because of Tyrod's play this week, the talks are going to get even louder. The Browns are polarizing now. And I think everyone is watching because of hard knocks to see yeah. When does the All shoe of a drop? sudden, the Browns have a lot of random fans across when the does, country. When does the shoe knocks. drop? Do, when do the Browns fall apart? But look, I think that was look, the one Graham. thing we showed this past week. They didn't give up down 21-7 against a perennial playoff and Super Bowl contender. Hopefully that carries over. The, the Browns are who we thought they were, to quote Denny Green once again. A team with a lot of young talent, a bad coaching staff, and going to lose a lot of games. We'll see what happens in New Orleans. Um, a lot more to talk about next week. And we will be here again next week, like we promised, once a week. And we're going to get some roundtables going with me, Graham, and Olam about NFL in general. I'm sure Olam, who is a Packers fan for some reason, has a lot to talk about with that that Aaron Rodgers' comeback. That was a good game. We'll have more NFL content. Expect the Browns every week. And we will talk to you guys soon going forward. Thank you for listening. Check out for a Red and Blue podcast later this week. And peace.